murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. And I'm Fatina. And this is Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. We would love it so much if you would leave us a review and also subscribe. So likes, comments, subscriptions, we would appreciate that. Leave a review. That will help us be able to do more of this for you guys. Thank you so much. And that's all I got for you there. Fatina has a fun little fun little twist for us today. I do. I'm super excited about this. I am so excited about this. I was telling you earlier that I called my mom for this because she was my resource. And we like moms around here. I We're love like, my yeah, mom. I love my mom. And if this works out right, this might be released or published either like on her birthday or around her birthday because it's coming Perfect. up. So happy birthday, mom. I happy love you. birthday. So what I'm going to tell you today is a compilation of ghost, scary, spirit stories that I grew up with. I love this. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of background, at least for the listeners. My parents are both from Guatemala. I remember listening to these stories ever since I've been, as, as long as I can remember. And a lot of the stories were told around... Not a campfire setting, <laughs> but more of the cleanup face during a party setting. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So these stories, I will say this, they've never changed the details, which is, it just blows my mind. And it just solidifies in me that these aren't bullshit. So these are firsthand stories for my mom and my dad. And... Even when I was talking to my mom now, mind you, she hasn't brought up these stories again in oh, at least 15 years, 20 years since the mm. last time I, I heard them all. And it was and exactly as you remembered exactly it. Exactly the same way. She tells the exact same details. She still, you know, pauses and, and gets chilled at the same moment. So it's really, really interesting to that. see that, you know, at least to her. That they're they're very real and and these stories did happen to her firsthand. So I'm really excited to share this with you. Uh, for me, this is a very special moment. Very nostalgic, right? Yeah. I'm gonna give you even more background. My mom is from a very very small town in Guatemala, and so this town was no more than 200, 200, uh, 250 people. And I was just there a year and a half ago. And from the big main city, from mm -hmm. Guatemala City, it's a good four and a half, five hour drive. Oh, wow. Okay. So really Boonies. disconnected. Yeah. Right. Basically in the middle of nowhere as far as Guatemala is concerned. Okay. Very limited resources, very humble people. They're all hardworking, blue collar. I'm going to start with my mom's stories and then I'm going to go over to my dad's because my mom's happened earlier. So... My mom was is one of four kids, and my grandmother, which I'm her namesake, my middle name anyway, it's Pilar, she was the person who would read everyone's last rites before they were dying Ooh. in the town. Ooh, did she get deathbed confessionals? No, I would yeah. Ask. I will now. Yes, ask. <laughs> well, I don't know if my mom would know them 
because it would my my grandma. Unless your grandma said something to her at maybe. some point about it, she but just the, hasn't told you. That's true. And my grandma took this very seriously, and because it was a not a coveted position, but it was a lot of people respected her for this. She was she, trusted with right, it. She, yeah. was, she was trusted with, you know, people passing. Yeah, and, I wouldn't and, imagine there was a lot of people that were lining up for it. But, <laughs> but you would get a certain level of respect. I would get there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fight me for it. <laughs> so, so my grandma did this for everyone in the town, everyone who unfortunately was passing and, and you know, seeing their last days. She would go and, and read them their last rites. And then also in the Hispanic culture, or in the when someone dies they pay nine days of respect. So the nine days after someone's death, mm -hmm. they have a feast almost as a uh, celebration of life where they, they have so much food, they have everyone over. And what I've come to the conclusion of is that they do this a lot of the times to allow people time to come in from other parts of the state or okay. the country to come and mourn their loved one. So they extended out to give people right. extra time to be a part of exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. So there's nine days where there is a procedure that's followed that, you know, the you know, everyone makes food and there's prayer circles, there's uh, you know, moments of silence, they light candles, they do this, they do that. It always ends up in a just a happy gathering and everyone's having fun and remembering their loved one in a good way. Okay. So a lot of the time my grandmother would head this on mm -hmm. and be the host of a lot of these parties. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, because she was prepared to host these parties, she had all the things she needed. So she was the go-to person for that part of the process as well. A lot of grieving people pass through my mom's childhood home. So one of the stories is that when my great-grandmother died mm -hmm. and my mom was at home, she had just passed the, the night before and they were prepping all the food to start cooking the next day, were getting caught up in, in doing all that, so they were still up really late. Mm -hmm. They went to sleep and they had brought over the pews from the church right across the street. And when I say across the street, I mean across the street from my mom's house because I saw it firsthand. Okay. So they brought the pews over so people could sit and there's room for people to sit during during this time. So they brought it to the backyard and the backyard was uh, a concrete slab. So they had all gone to sleep. It was about two, three o'clock in the morning. And my grandmother had already said, Let's wake up really early to start early mm -hmm. and get everything going. Suddenly they heard all the pews being dragged on the concrete oh, back and forth. What? Yeah. Oh. And then my mom said that she heard a light knocking on the door mm. on the window right above her head. And my mom's always had this calmness about maybe the other side reaching out to her because she's been so close to death and passing because of my grandma. So she It's kind of normal to her. It is normal to her. So she said that she immediately knew it was her grandma. And she got up, she looked out the window, and the last thing she saw was her grandma fading away. But she knew it was her grandma 
And she heard, like, coming from behind her, something saying, I'll say it in English because it won't make sense if I say it say in it Spanish. Say it in Spanish and then translate for she, me. She said, mija, it's tiempo de levantarse. So it's time to wake up. You said you wake up early. Oh. To get everything going. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And like, to my mom, it was just so normal. Yeah. She's to like, me, thanks for the me. alarm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that was one. This is what I was talking to my mom yesterday. She's like, you know, they're not long stories. They're just quick things that happen. She's like, they're quick kids. They're just yeah. quick stories. And so another time was that my uh, a cousin of hers in a town over was ill. And they knew she was terminally ill. My mom was washing dishes at home. And they had all of their teacups hung in a row mm -hmm. with the little hooks and she said that she was sitting there, and all of a sudden, all the teacups, she could see almost, well, in a row, all the teacups were being touched, and they were clinging, like if someone was running a finger over them. Oh. And again, she wasn't scared. Mm -hmm. But until, so that was happening, and then she said, it almost felt like a mini tornado. All the plates came flying down off the shelf oh in the gosh. cupboard. They didn't have any doors on the cupboard. Right. They land on the ground. They were shattering plate after plate. She's standing there at that point in fear because she said, She's more this is more aggressive. Injured. Yeah. Right. And then a black butterfly came and landed on top of the broken plates. And my grandma rushed into the kitchen to see my mom to see if everything, like, what is going on? All these plates are breaking. And she said something to the effect of, we're going to receive bad news. And about 45 minutes later, they received a telegram that my cousin had passed. Your mom said we were going to receive my bad grandma. news? My grandma. Your grandma said that. Okay. And they received a telegram saying that my cousin had passed to the next town over. And then my mother, my grandmother and my mother both realized that was our cousin saying goodbye. Whoa. Yeah. So those are, those are the ones that happened inside her house. Yeah. So there's this weird story in this one. who gives me a little bit of chills. My mom and her sister were walking with my grandma to someone's house who was in the process of passing. Okay. This was back in the 60s, 50s, but also in rural, rural Guatemala. Right. So they were walking with torches, you know, okay. and they were walking alongside a hill. This is something that's been instilled in me because of this story since I was a child. Yeah. But my grandma told my mom, don't turn back. If you turn back, you'll see the devil. That's just always a thing. If you're walking alone, if you're walking in the dark. I've heard other people say this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a, a thing. thing. Yeah. Right. So my mom said that she was about eight or nine at this time. And the curiosity got the better of her. And she turned around. And there were no trees, but just floating in midair. You could see a man hanging. So she freaked out. Uh, yeah. But was mute by f fright. Yeah. And she just quick stepped and grabbed onto my grandma's skirt. 
And my grandma just said, you looked back, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. Grandma's mm. like, well, learned your lesson. Exactly. <laughs> to her, this is normal. Like, I told you not to look back. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. And my mom said, even as she was telling me yesterday, she's like, I saw every detail of this man. It was not anything transparent. She remembers it vividly. It was not. It was, for her, it was a full, solid person just hanging in midair. Mm. And, you know, not translucent. Right. Nothing. Of course, she didn't turn back again. All bad. But <laughs> uh, she was, she saw a full person just hanging. Ugh stories when you hear stories like this i feel like there's more of a presence of this kind of thing happening in countries that are either still developing mm -hmm. or like third world countries yeah or, so mm -hmm. developing countries third world countries i think maybe part of it is i have my theories on i have that. theories on it too <laughs> i wonder if a lot of it is because there's not as many distractions. There's not a lot to do. No, that's there's exactly my do. theory. There's not a lot of distractions. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of influence to make you think otherwise. Right. You don't have people that are dismissing it. You don't have people that are trying to influence you and tell you that it is it is or isn't true. Like you just accept it as fact. And then there's not a lot of resources or anything like that to tell you otherwise. To debunk it. Right. So I feel like for that reason... It tends to be more prevalent, but also I think it happens in communities that tend to believe in that kind of thing more. Mm -hmm. So like I think particularly religious in the religious mm -hmm. Hispanic communities, right. especially where that's part of, like you said, that's kind of part of their upbringing is mm -hmm. it's normal. I don't hear about it as relevant in like the white community. So I I'm white, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't hear about it as relevantly in the right. white community. You know, it's. And I think that's part of like where you grow up and like the mm -hmm. kind of exposure that you have and everything like that. At least that's my theory on it. And, you know, to tag on to that, along with the religious part, mm -hmm. talking about the afterlife is not taboo. Mm. And they talk about the afterlife a lot. Right. And just the influences from people or spirits. And it, it's just it's perpetuated because people, like you said keep talking about it right when and i think if you're inclined to believe in that kind of thing you will see it yes whereas if you don't believe in it you're not necessarily going to see it right you don't see things that you don't think are there so i think if you believe in that kind of thing and you're open to that kind of thing i think that that kind of thing is more going to happen more to yeah uh-huh yeah because you're open to experiencing it and you recognize it when you see it right. rather than trying to dismiss it and that's why a lot of the times, and again, and this is something that I thought maybe everyone knew, but now in hindsight, I think it's just a, a Hispanic cultural thing that babies are more likely to see mm -hmm. things because they're a blank slate and yeah, they they're untainted. Right. They don't know that. You know, other beliefs haven't been pushed on them and right. they are I think susceptible to it. Right. I think they're easily, they're a source that can be easily tapped into because they don't do anything to stop it. Right. They can't yet. They don't Their have, minds aren't Yeah, they're not there. Yet. Right. Yeah. 
it's it's really interesting to me. And I mean it in the most respectful and fascinated way because it's something, like I said, that's not really part of my culture. But I hear it so much from others and I hear it from your family and stuff like that where that's something that you see a lot more Mm -hmm. of. And so for me, it's easy for me to be like, I don't know. I don't really know if I believe in it or not. Like, I don't I don't really know one way or another. So it's always interesting to me when I encounter people like in your situation, like you and I, as long as I've we've known each other, I've known that this is something that you believe in. Yeah. And it's stuff like this that now I understand why, mm-hmm. because for your mom, she's like, I have no doubt. Right. I have no doubt. Whereas like for her, this is the truth. Yeah. Whereas in my family, stuff like that can easily be dismissed. But my my grandpa was a missionary. My my not my grandma, my grandpa, my great grandpa was a missionary in Guatemala. Oh, and really? he had a lot of really strange things happen to him when Stop. he was there. A lot of things that he chalks up to demonic spirits of working in the which, communities. Very which, likely. Yeah. He has several stories of things that he ha- that happened while he was there working in these churches and these missions mm-hmm. of these communities that had opened themselves up to evil spirits. Yeah. And then they came oh, to absolutely. him to be saved. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I never told you that. I never no, told you that. He no, was, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll get into it, but there's a lot of um, very religious, very Catholic, very, you know, Christian, whatever have you. They There is the hell piece to it. Right. There's yeah. people who invoke the evil, the evil and do witchcraft, black magic, white mm-hmm. magic, that too, because there's that part of that too. I've heard of that. Um, so just like there's people or, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote witches that put spells on people mm-hmm. either for someone to lose all their money, lose their health, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. There's also people who practice the good white magic to counter interesting the bad spells. I didn't realize that was a thing. So those people are called curanderos, which means healers. They practice white magic to counter all the black magic mm. that they okay. think is happening. Got it. Um, so the last story from my mom. This is the one that uh, there's more, but this is one of the ones that just have has always stuck out. The story goes that they were walking through town. Mm. They were coming back from... Um, a gathering but again there's no port there's no street lights there's nothing so every you know one out of three people were carrying torches to light their way it's a big group of people it's all of my mom's side of the family they're coming back from some type of gathering she Mm -hmm. doesn't remember that part but as they were walking through just the middle of the street because you know no cars or whatever a huge pig gets in their way a huge black pig oh lord Aren't those, aren't pigs a sign of the devil? Right. Okay. That's where we're going with this. So, oh, I just got full chills. Body chills. So, uh, I like J-Lo calls them goosies. A huge black pig appears seemingly out of nowhere. My mom just said it materialized out of nowhere. Like, came out from one of the side streets, but Mm -hmm. had nowhere to, like, there's no farms around them that has Where did it come from is the question. Yeah, okay. And they juke right, the pig goes right. 
they go left, the pig goes left. Like, it's Weird. not letting them through. Okay. And my grandfather and his brother, being branch hands, had machetes on them, at least like the shorter ones. Casual. Right. At hip side, ready for right. anything. <laughs> you never know. This is rural Guatemala again. So they had those with them, with them, and they tried, you know, yelling at the pig, telling it to get away. You know, they have women and children behind them trying mm-hmm. to get through the street, trying to walk through the street. And the pig is squealing hard, squealing hard, and it's not letting them through, moving a lot faster and lighter on its feet than this, my mom said, maybe 300-pound pig should have. Right. 300-pound pig is a lot. That's a big pig. That's a big pig. So. <laughs> it could be a big pig, too. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I love the Lion King. My mom said that my grandfather and uh, his brother got close enough to the point where they, you know, they were swinging their machetes. Yeah. Trying to just scare it. And. It still wouldn't budge, still wouldn't budge, but was kind of, you know, juking them around. And they got two blows on it. Okay. On the back. Peel squealed, ran away. Okay. Finally, they were able to get home. Mm-hmm. The next morning. Ah! So <laughs> the next morning, they were the bigger of the towns from the surrounding towns Mm -hmm. so they were the town with the one clinic Mm -hmm. and the next day they heard the whole town heard about this you know small ambulance coming in from one of the other towns with a woman with two machete strikes on her back what yeah oh yeah so, oh, I got full goosies. So my mom says that lady was a witch that had transformed herself into a pig. Oh, I wonder what the intention was in trying to block them. I, I don't know. Just, I don't know. She doesn't know. But she goes, I am 100% convinced that that lady transformed into a pig because she was invoking the devil invoking bad and i was gonna say a pig would not be my choice (laughs) like if i were to pick an animal um why a pig a pig is not high on my list but i do understand that it is affiliated with Mm -hmm. the devil and everything like that right that being said i bet you she won't be doing that again yeah so she uh because it's a small town and everyone talked everyone knew that this lady had come into town with two machete strikes on the back on her back and she had to get like stitches and was in the hospital for a couple yeah. days. So everyone from that day on knew her as a bad witch. Pig woman. The pig woman. Yeah. Ooh. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. So weird. So and yeah. Um, I think <laughs> other people would say like coincidence, but Oh, how that. that's no. where I'm saying, like, I don't Mm-mm. I don't think that that that's not a coincidence. Show me what the probability of that is. No. I'd love to know. Right. 
Show me the pig and the woman side by side, and then I'd believe you that it's a coincidence. But if you can, no, yeah, that is not a coincidence. No, no, no. Yeah, so obviously everyone thought of her as a witch from that point on, and my grandma, you know, said the same thing that that lady has, you know, the devil in her, devil in her. Yeah. Oof. So there's a lot of stories like that. some of the stories involve to that a a bull, a black bull, would materialize out or come out from one of the big alleys, mm-hmm. the one road that led to farms. No one owned a black bull, and you can hear the bull. Uh, what do you call it when a bull makes sounds? I don't know. I don't know. It's not mooing because it's not a cow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what noise they make. Although it's a male cow. Uh, okay, so. Uh, you know, all cows are female. Oh. That's a fun fact for you. All cows are female. All bulls are male. Oh, I Maybe I should have known that. I don't know. So. <laughs> he makes his noise. He makes his noise. And they knew not to look out their windows or go out their door and look, but whatever door the bull stopped and made the most noise at, or Mm -hmm. like stopped and made noise at, someone would be dead the next morning. Mm. Ooh, that's a creepy omen. Right. So, and same thing with a black moth. If a black moth would stop at your door, or at your porch light, same thing. Someone would be dead the next morning. Ooh, that just, mm. yeah, that would be terrifying. Yeah, imagine being the person in the house. Ooh, you don't even know because you're inside. You're like, oh crap, right? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> like porch lights off. Yeah, we're not home. <laughs> Come, Come back, back later. Unless you're selling Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> in which case, come on in. Would you like milk? Do you or? take Venmo? Do Girl Scouts take Venmo nowadays? I bet they do. Yeah, Kara's screwed if they take Venmo. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to transition into my dad's stories. Oh, yeah. Part two type Part thing. two. So... My dad grew had a different upbringing. He grew up in the capital, which is middle class Guatemala, and okay. my grandfather was, you know, doing well financially. He had his businesses, and so they lived in a very comfortable house. Unfortunately, my grandmother passed away when my dad was nine oh. from kidney disease. Oh, so I didn't realize that. He was the, or he's the, I think my dad's the middle child, actually, of five. And so he was nine. My uncle that's younger than him was like six and my aunt was two, so she left little kids behind. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she had been ill for a while. Mm-hmm. But on the day that she passed, sorry, <laughs> uh, 
and this is hard. This is a little hard because uh, he just told me the story again while we were in Guatemala together last year. Oh, okay. At the house, so oh, he's wow. telling me where this is all, all taking happened. place. Yeah. So I'm standing where he's telling me he experienced these things. So they had a nanny, and they were all in a room with a nanny while they were. Uh, the paramedics came in and took my grandmother away to the hospital because she had gotten really, really bad. And he said it was torrential downpour that day. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly it stopped and there were five hanging pots right outside their overhang of the front door. Mm And out of nowhere, these spots started dropping. No Ooh. wind, no rain. Clay pots just started dropping. And that's when they knew. And again, to them, this this is, isn't strange. Right. Um, they were like, oh, she's, this, she's saying it, goodbye. She's saying goodbye. Yeah. So... Also, they had a dog at the time that that same day that they took her away to the hospital, dug a hole in their yard that was the size of a grave. I will tell you this, Kens, this this is where I know that my parents aren't making shit up. My dog, when I was seven and my grandma passed away, mm-hmm. Dug a hole in my yard. That was the size of a grave. Oh. The day that we got the call that she passed. Oh, my gosh. The moment we got the call, my little dog, Louie, started filling up the hole again. That's bizarre. So weird. Oh. My dad says, you know, both my parents are like, Dogs, animals are so intuitive. And what was your reaction though, looking out in the yard and seeing a grave basically out there, like a hole the size of a grave? I knew what was happening because it was normal. Mm-hmm. I knew what was happening. My whole house was already in that commotion of Ooh. calling Guatemala, being in touch with my aunts and uncles, being in that process of, you know. Oy. So, and when it was happening, yeah. My dad retold me that story of here. This is what this is what Luby's doing, my little dog, and it was a little Chihuahua. He so it he to you. he and he just went to work on it too, nonstop for a couple hours. I think it was like three hours. He dug a hole that was huge. Wow. Yeah, and my birds were going How crazy too. How did he get too. out? Is my question. He's a Chihuahua. He yeah. digs a six foot grave. How did he get out? <laughs> Obviously, he had magic powers. <laughs> you look outside, and Louis just levitating right. out of the thing. <laughs> and my birds were going crazy too. That's so interesting to me. And these were just little canaries from you know twelve dollar canaries from the store, and they were just going crazy, 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 crazy. I remember it so vividly. Ooh, yeah. Ugh. And then as soon as my mom got the call. It was done. It was done. It was like, the, it was calm after that. 
It's so weird. So back to, uh, sorry, we totally jumped timelines there, but back to my dad. So time goes on and my dad is uh, now a, a teenager. I think he's 18 or 19 at this point. And my older uncle, so his older brother, Mario, at the at the time, they had gone out for a night of drinking. Mm-hmm. They were out and about in the town, and they came back really late, like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And my dad and uncle walked into the house. And again, he's telling me this as we're in the house, and he's like walking me through it again. And, he's, and he tells me that they walk into the house, and as soon as you walk into the front door, if you look straight back, there was a single bulb that has a chain link or a chain to pull on it, a yeah. pull string. The light was on, and the string was hanging down, but as soon as they walked in, they saw my grandma Whoa. walk past sideways turn around to face them shake her head like in a disapproving way turns around keeps walking past this is like this little doorway where the lights in the middle across the way yeah so um so didn't stop my dad from drinking (laughs) but right so mom's still there checking on them and in a way saying, you probably drank too much. Yeah. He said Just that they both. I'm not here doesn't mean right. I don't see you. He said that they both immediately sobered up. Yeah, I'll bet. Because they both saw it. I heard the story from both my dad and my uncle. So that one, that's, that's a story. <laughs> okay, so this last one is the one that my dad retells the most. Uh, again, this is in my dad's late teenage years so he's like 19 20 at this time and this was back in the early 80s so you know these are guys that uh they're adventurous guys i guess i don't know so my dad was a little bit of a rebel i guess he was a middle child and or he is a middle child him and a friend said we don't have any jobs (laughs) let's look for something to do Let's go to Mexico. Let's hitchhike to Mexico. Naturally. Let's hitchhike to Mexico. Thanks. So uh, if you're driving from Guatemala City to Mexico, it's maybe like a five and a half, six hour drive. Okay. So they said they they just start walking. Beer in hand. They just start walking, clothes on their back. They're thinking they're going to go to Mexico. Have a good time. This sounds like such Figured a, a comeback. Young male thing to do. Absolutely. And in, in like, the 80s. We got our beers. We're going to Mexico. So they're probably wearing <laughs> like faded jean jackets and, you know. So my dad is, uh, he said that that they're walking uh, for most of the time along long stretches of road. Eventually, someone picks them up while they're hitchhiking and he takes them a good three and a half, four hours on the bed of their truck and drops them off at one of the forks in the road. He's like, this is as far as I can take you for where you're going. So, you know, 
This is your stop. Mm -hmm. So at that point, my dad and his friend keep walking. They're just walking. And they get tired. Mm -hmm. So they don't have anywhere to sleep. They're literally in the middle of nowhere. They hunker down on some steps to a building that they Mm -hmm. found. And they start taking turns on, you know, who's staying up, who's right. going to sleep if for the, you know, who's possibility the watch. right, po- for the possibility that there's any other cars coming by and they can finish their hitchhike. So, mm, okay. They're taking turns and, you know, my dad's like, "I'm dozing off." And I hear And my dad's like, "Okay." So I wake up. I'm thinking, "I'm crazy." So I was like, oh, you know what? I'll stay up. You can go to sleep. <laughs> so his friend wakes up. I mean, goes uh, tries to nod off. Yeah. And they hear the same thing, like, psst, psst, psst. Mm. And they're like, so his friend wakes up. And he's like, wait, no. Like, are you hearing that too? Mm-hmm. And they're both like, what? Like, And they continue to hear, like, psst, 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 psst it's a way to call someone over like psst, psst. yeah you know like, uh come here like hey come here the head tilt so that's what this was Ooh, who's calling them so they both couldn't sleep right they stay up all night mm-hmm. but they don't move because they at least have this building that they're sitting at instead of so you know can walking see all around them. Or, right yeah they have their back to a wall. Uh-huh. The wall is covered with a memorial <gasps> to a school bus that had gone over the cliff that they're overlooking uh, that was full of schoolgirls. Oh, no. Okay. So the wall that they were sitting against, hoping that it would actually keep them safe, is the same wall that's whispering in their ear. Either that or someone over the cliff. Calling them over the cliff. Ugh. Uh-huh. Ugh. Uh-huh. And I I believe my dad. A hundred percent believe my yeah. dad. But I've also had a well, it's hard because this happened in the eighties and I don't know when that bus actually overturned into yeah. the cliff. But I I can't find any newspaper clippings or any, I, I don't know if it would have made did they have right? I don't know. I don't know. Town. Yeah. So plus, I don't know exactly where they were because they were in the middle of nowhere. Right. So, yeah, he said that they turn around and they you could see all the names of all the girls Ooh. that had passed in that in that car accident. Uh. <sighs> yeah. Can you? Oh. No, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. So those are the stories from my dear parents. I love that. That um, they've kept. I I don't know if I did them justice. I can tell you that when my mom and my dad tell me these stories, the hair stands up on the back of my neck. And I, I love hearing them. Yeah. Because they... They're just great stories. I feel like it's a really interesting way to to connect to your culture and your family mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like those stories, like the stuff that I remember from my great grandpa 
are stories that have been passed down through the generations. And it makes me feel a little bit like I knew him. Yeah. In some way. But then also, like, it makes me feel like I kind of know some of the experiences that my grandpa might have had as a kid and stuff like that. It makes right. me feel more connected to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Because this is just a, a thing that they always did. They would always go back and forth with yeah. their stories. It's like and bonding. Here's, it is. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, it's kind of like how you and I in, talk about true crime around exactly, the campfire. Exactly. So this is nothing that um, happened to my mom directly or to my dad directly. But they both vouch for it that they at least have, you know, two or three degree separation from it. Okay. So the story is that... A beautiful woman usually lures a drunk man or a man in desperation, either Mm -hmm. whoever's, if a man is walking on the streets late at night, like either not tending to his family, that's, you know, usually who she attacks or lures and into the wood with the idea of having sex with them. Mm-hmm. ends up attacking them and turning into a creature that's not a woman. Whoa. So a wolf-like creature or a devil-like creature Yikes. that attacks them com- completely, like scratches them up. I mean, huge gashes. And those are the wounds that help these men sell their stories of what happened right because otherwise it's completely unbelievable Mm -hmm. it's a a tale of warning for men walking around drunk at night or not being home when they're supposed to be home that call them into the woods with this promise of sex and she's gonna teach him a lesson boy right so and this there's a lot of little stories of that that's like oh i know you know the neighbor down the street who heard this or they did this or they were attacked and no one knew, you know, he wasn't in a bar fight or anything. He was just attacked. So everyone thinks that got him, you know, so. Imagine explaining that to your wife. (laughs) She'd be like, but why'd you follow her into the forest? Follow her. Yeah. (laughs) What were you trying to do, sir? (laughs) So yeah, it's a tell of warning. I don't know if it holds any truth, but. It's uh, one of those stories that's passed down. Some of the details change, but nonetheless, the the meat on the bone is there that men shouldn't be out drinking late. (laughs) A word to the wise. All right, guys. Well, that was a good one. I liked it. We promised you guys true crime and spook spook. So this is the spook spook. spook. Mother lovers. Spook. Can we call them murder lovers for something that's not true crime? All right. Spook, motherfucker. Spook. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys want to hear more stuff like this, or if you have experiences like this. Oh, I would love to hear them. So we want listener stories. We also, but we want, we want a lot of things, guys. (laughs) We're very needy. We want reviews, we want ratings, but we also want to hear your guys' first memories of a true crime story. We also want your listener stories, like if you have stuff with true crime. But if you guys have spooky, like ghost stories like this, let a bitch know. Like, send it to us. Mm-hmm. We would love to read it on the podcast. So, send it to us, email us. 
Our email is a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> and our Instagram is at a stranger danger podcast. Facebook is stranger danger colon a true crime podcast. And Twitter is SD true crime pod. That's it. Yep. Yep. Um, so hit us up on any one of those, all of those, whatever you see fit, whatever you like the most, and we will incorporate it in. That is all we have. We love you guys. And we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>